So, <clears throat> open your Bibles, if you will, with me. And uh, you say, where, Pastor, do you want us to open? Well, you could start by opening to the prophet Zechariah, and uh, chapter 14. Zechariah 14. So, you know, we've been talking and hopefully listening on the very important theme of the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And that was born out of our time of fasting and praying this year where we slow everything down. It's funny how you slow things down on a fast, right? But, uh, and we listen for the Lord's guidance and direction for the year that we're heading into. And during that time, the Lord spoke very clearly those two things. Debt reduction was a natural thing, but the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit was something God wanted us to dig down into more and not only talk about, but experience in a new and a living way. And so we've been talking about the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit and uh, hopefully experiencing a freshness in our relationship with Him. You know, uh, I have to say this out the gate because what I want to talk to you a little bit today about is really a little bit of a recap of our history here as a church and the name Living Waters because if you're not aware of this, you should be and you need to be aware that when you're talking about the Holy Spirit, you are talking about Living Waters. You might not realize that, but it's so important to grasp this idea that the Spirit of the Lord is likened unto life-giving water. And it really has a lot to do with our assignment as a local church. I don't want a bunch of uh, congregants that are not sure about why they're here and where they're going. You need to know why you're here. And you need to know, and I need to know where we're going and why that even counts. So I want to just take a few moments and talk about that today. I was, uh, how many of you enjoyed Rick Zachary when he was here recently? Wasn't that wonderful? Great time of ministry. He comes through about every three years, him and Bev, they're all over the world doing a lot of neat things. Hundreds and hundreds of churches have been planted and so on through them. But so they were here, stayed in our home. After Sunday's worship service, we were at the house. And I, I like to do this when I'm around brothers and sisters that are not daily in the, in the flow here. When they come into the congregation, I like some feedback from them. That doesn't mean I'm looking for pats on the back. Trust me, you don't get those from Rick Zachary. What you get is a real straight shot across the bow, how he sees it and how he feels. And so I knew when I would begin asking some really pointed questions that uh, it could be anything. And that's what I wanted. I wanted the truth of, of anything God maybe was saying or saw in a perspective that maybe that brother would have concerning this place. And as I asked Rick, now Rick is, you heard it in his message, he's all about touching many, touching few, but touching many, that God has a heart for the multitudes and so on. And you look here and you know, we're, we're hard to describe as a multitude, okay? But, but we're precious and whatever. But, you know, so there, there's, there would seem to be, and he even touched on it in his message about God's desire for this place to grow in its influence and so on. So as I asked him, I said, Rick, talk to me. You know, you've been coming here for a long time. And what do you see? And he basically, here's what he said. He said, you know, um, he says, I'm very cautious to touch what the Lord is doing in your midst very cautious to even speak to it in essence because it's holy there's something holy about it then he shared a story he said you know the last time I was here 
Bev and I, uh, it was after the time of worship, Carly Watt actually is who it was that particular day, but she had drawn this prophetic picture. And during the time of greeting, she came up and gave this picture to Rick and Bev. And she said, I just felt the Lord say to me, this was for you. And she explained what the picture was about. And uh, he said, she had no idea. He said, we carry that picture around with us to this day in our Bible case. She was clueless as to what she really was saying that day, but it was such an amazing confirmation right on the money of what we needed to hear that day. He said, there's something God has handed to you in your congregation that though you might not be big, he said, sometimes, he says, I go to a lot of big, big churches, but the chemistry's different. There's something about the presence of the Lord and the anointing in that place that I'm cautious to touch. He said, I think you should just keep drilling and be true to who God's called you to be. Basically, that was his counsel to me. Drill and be faithful. You know? I shared with Rick, I, you just, I, I think, thanks for the liberty this morning. <laughs> But I shared just with a minute with Rick because I, I, can I just be real candid with you? Is that all right? <clears throat> you know, we've been here a long time, pastoring this church a long time. And um, you can look around and you can say, well, why aren't there more people here for such a long time in ministry here? And you're not the first one who's asked that question. I've asked that question a zillions of times. God, where are all the people? If what we're doing is good and worth having, why aren't more people here? And uh, realizing that sometimes pastors will use their small, pastors of small churches can tend to use their smallness as a way of saying that's because we're more spiritual. And they can almost make their smallness some kind of point of pride or something and I, I say you know that's that's a that's a danger as far as I'm concerned because smallness isn't an indicator of spirituality by the way neither is bigness an indicator of spirituality there's those are not the accurate measuring tools of whether something is good and of God or not big and small is not the tool and I said so you know to Rick I mentioned I said so so I know that there's a caution to not think that being small is because you're spiritual and so on. I said, but I will say that over the years I have felt encouraged by the Lord through the story of Hannah. And uh, you know Hannah's story, that God basically fixed a problem by creating a problem, and you've heard this before. But basically Hannah's, Israel was astray, and uh, God wanted to bring a whole nation back. And the way he did it was by closing a woman's womb. He closed a womb. He actually created a problem to fix a problem. The problem was Israel was astray. He created another problem, which was closing the womb of a woman who was being taunted and tormented by another wife who was having children over the top or after another. And the reason God used Hannah's closed womb, I believe, was because it caused Hannah to change the way she would pray Hannah's prayers were no longer give me a son for me. Don't give me a church for me. Don't just do it for me. But give me a son, Lord. And if you do, I'll give him back to you.
to you all the days of his life. And so something changed and God needed that to happen in someone's heart. And the way he achieved that change of heart was by shutting something down, not making something big. Strange, don't ask me. It's just God's way and it's how God did it. And so what happened was as soon as God heard her pray that prayer, what did God do? He opened her womb. He opened her womb and out comes Samuel. And the Bible says that not one of his words fell to the ground. So did the multitudes get touched? Absolutely. The question becomes, what did they get touched with? You know, it's one thing to touch multitudes. The second question is, touch them with what? And what Samuel was able to do was touch them with the living word of God for their generation. I believe, take it for what you will, I believe in part that has been us. God has been digging and refining and dealing with our hearts because, not that we're going to be better, I'm not even trying to be better, I just want to be faithful. Jesus. You know, I just want to be faithful with what we've received from the Lord. And at the end of the day, know that what we do is going to honor Him and make a difference in our culture and in our society. So, all of that said, today I want to talk about who we are by assignment as a congregation. You know, the word that I received when it came to a name for this local church was Living Waters. I didn't get it easily. I wrestled through some things and I finally hit a point where and by the way, if you're coming with Pie with Pastor today, I'm not going to say all this again because I share a lot of this stuff at Pie with Pastor. We're going to just hang out and answer questions and get to meet each other. But basically what happened was I became the pastor of this church. I knew God wanted to change the name. And I spent some time fasting and praying. And during that season, I got frustrated because I had a whole list of names that sounded good, but none of them had the touch of God on them for us. So I gave it to the Lord. I said, I'm going to leave it like it is unless you change it. I woke up in the morning and I woke up to the words living waters and I was like wow is that you Lord and the, the peace of the Lord just settled over me my spirit began leaping and I knew it was God talking to me so I went to the scripture and God took me to two scriptures now listen you got to hear this today you've got to hear this this is so important to where we are and where we're going the two scriptures he gave me, one was found in Zechariah chapter 14. I gave it to you as a reference in the beginning, verse 8 and actually verse 9. And if you'll allow me, I'm just going to read it to you. It's very brief. Here's the scripture. It says, on that day, Zechariah 14, 8 and 9, on that day, living waters shall flow out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the eastern sea and half of them toward the western sea. It shall continue in summer as in winter, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day the Lord will be one and his name one. And so it's really referencing a day when, and I believe it's the day we're living in, when living waters, life-giving, not stagnant pond water, but living waters are going to flow out of Jerusalem, which is a picture of the church, and it's going to be a blessing in winter, in summer. It doesn't matter if it's hot out, cold out, economies up, economies down. It doesn't matter. These things are going to flow to the glory of God. That is his plan. It's his purpose. And that's what God said to me. Now, whether you see that as a current prophecy, an old prophecy, it doesn't matter. I'm telling you, it's what God said. 
about this place, that we would be a place that life-giving waters would flow out of to the uttermost parts of the earth. And his name, and in that day, would be one, there'd be no confusion about who God is. There's only one, and he's the true God. And so I was, got excited. When God gave that to me that morning, I was like, wow, awesome, what a vision. I can build on that, Lord. That was just like this wonderful gem from the Lord. But then he took me to this other verse, which is also a gem, but it didn't feel gemmy. Okay, it's a gem, but it didn't feel gemmy. And this verse was found in Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13. And basically, the prophet Jeremiah, God speaking through Jeremiah, he says this, My people have committed two evils. And then he says this, They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And they have hewn them out cisterns or containers that are broken and cannot hold any water. So I knew in that moment that God had a desire for this place, and I believe, really, it's something he wants from every believer everywhere. That's my personal opinion. But the desire is that out of God's people would flow, and from the gathering of God's people would flow rivers of living water. That's the first verse we read. In that day, living water is going to flow from Jerusalem, from the place of God. That's his desire. But there's a problem that has to get corrected in order for that to happen. And that's what that second verse was about, Jeremiah 2.13. My people have committed two evils. Here's the problem. They have forsaken me. And then God says, the fountain of living waters. In essence, God is the fountain. Can you say that with me? God is the fountain. And he's saying that the evil that's happened in the midst of my people, the reason they can't fulfill their destiny to be a, a dispensing of God, of, of living water to the earth, is because they've forsaken the person of God. They've, not, they've drifted away from who he is. That's evil number one. Evil number two is that in exchange for the fountain, they've carved out these containers. The Bible says cisterns. And they're broken, and they can't even hold water. And so there's a distinct difference between a fountain that is springing up, that's who God likens himself to, and then this cistern, where the idea behind the cistern is that we get some of God, get some of the water that God is, we bring him over into our container, our church stuff, and then we, we kind of level off the amount of God in our container, because this is measurable, you know. And then we dish out how much of God we want when we want him. In essence, we are God of God. We, we are now in control of God. And God calls these two things an evil. Evil one, they have forsaken me, the fountain where God himself is at the center and he's in charge of the flow and he's in charge of everything. And the second evil is that they've created this system by, whereby they take God, put him in their container that they can now measure, and they determine how much of God to have when. And God says, these two things are evil to me. And so the two scriptures that have built the vision of this local church are Zechariah 14, 8 and 9 
in Jeremiah 2 and 13. These are what we call kind of foundational stones, main focal points. If you don't remember who you are and where you are, you're likely not to get anywhere and do anything for God. Okay? So it's important that I'm rehearsing this stuff with you today because who we are is a people who've been called back to a person. God himself. That's who we are. Our first and dominant primary calling and vocation is to the Lord. And then the fruit of that, the overflow of our relationship with God is touching the lives of others with God. You see, if we're not careful, we'll just kind of go get people and bring them into a container that now, and, and we can even make bigger containers and get more people. But what the problem could be, it's possible here, is that we're bringing them into something that's broken and dysfunctional and not life-giving. Because the only life-giving thing around is God himself. And so it's first to God and then to others. So we've used this little tagline. You see it sometimes just as a reminder in some of our literature and so on. But please don't let it just be this rote thing you see and just ignore. The little tagline is, Touching the heart of God, restoring the heart of man. Touching the heart of God. We've taken those two scriptures and basically tried to make a real simple little thing to remember that our first calling is to touch the heart of God, to know him personally, intimately. We don't apologize for worshiping God. We don't apologize for spending extended periods of time in prayer and studying of the scriptures. By the way, Berean Bible School is tonight. If you're, uh, yay, up and down. There you go. Yeah, and we're doing living relationally. Dr. David Wins is helping us understand living relationally. And it's really the same principle. To God, we have a relationship. And as a result, I'm adding this emphasis here, but as a result of to God, we are able to touch men with who God really is. And it's a beautiful thing. So, touching the heart of God, that's our first and primary focus here. I want to know Him as He is. I'm not apologizing for making Him first in my life. Amen. Religion wants to push you to work and do. But working and doing, having not been with Him, is not what God wants. All we're doing is we're multiplying our dysfunction and we're, we're dispersing all of our broken stuff. And God says, if you'll come to me, I'll give you something worth sharing with somebody else. Come to me first. And so those two themes, you should see them and find them in everything we do and everything we are around here. We are first to God and then to others. So, you know, this, this idea um, of... Living Waters, it's so much more than a name on a building or on a particular ministry that we've received here. It's an experience. And you know, John 7 is a beautiful portion of Scripture. Let me just give you a few Scriptures just to kind of support some of these ideas and hopefully it will reinforce and give clarity to what we're doing here so that you're not wandering around wondering. John 7, beautiful portion of Scripture. Let me read to you. It says, verse 37... In the last day, the great, that great day of the feast, it's the Feast of Tabernacles is being referenced here, Jesus stood up and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, 
as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now here's Jesus standing up on the great day of the Feast of Tabernacles, and I don't have time this morning to go into all the distinctions between the three major feasts of Israel, but I can assure you that each one has a historical fulfillment. On Passover, Jesus literally died on the Passover and was resurrected there, and the Passover lamb in Jewish tradition was killed like Christ was killed that day. On the day of Pentecost, the second major feast of Israel, Literally, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the church was filled with the Holy Spirit. The law given in power was there on that day, on the day, of, on literally on the calendar day that that was to happen in the Jewish calendar. It had a spiritual fulfillment in the book of Acts chapter 2. There's one more major feast that has not yet been fulfilled, and it's the Feast of Tabernacles, and it's the Feast of Final Ingatherings and of the Harvest and the Maturing of the Crop. And we are standing historically on the precipice of the great day of the feast, the final feast that God has ordained for us. That's all I can give you about that right now. But it's there. And so on this day, Jesus, this is a prophetic picture for our generation and specifically for this congregation if you don't see it for anybody else. And here's what it says. Jesus stood up on that last day of the feast. And as there's this conduit where the priest would go and get water from the pool of Siloam and these silver pitchers and stuff, and they would come up and they would dump out symbolically as a, as a picture of the Spirit, they would dump out this water into this conduit. And Jesus sees the moment. He's standing there and he says, if anyone is thirsty, he broke right through all the religious tradition all the symbolism and he just he just cuts through and i tell you this is something god wants to do by his church through his church in this hour he wants to cut through all the stuff with a living burning word from the throne of god and he stands up and he says if any man thirst let him come unto me that's what jesus said now notice this first to god and then to others by the will of God. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. I'm taking it back to those verses we just read about. Right? Here Jesus says, if any man's thirsty, here's how you're going to get satisfied. Don't go to a different denomination. Don't try a different church. Go to God to get satisfied. Amen. We got too many things going on. People tell me, well, you need to go here. No, you need to go to a person. You need to go to God himself. So Jesus says, if anybody's thirsty, let him come to me and I will give him. He says, listen, when that happens and it's real and the emphasis is where it belongs on the person of Christ and not a movement of Christians doing something. When the emphasis is right, he says, out of that person's belly is going to flow something not something, let's be more specific, someone. Out of your belly will flow a river of living water. Now notice what he says. He gives, I love this about the Lord here. He doesn't leave us hanging. What does that really mean? It says, but this spoke he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So in essence, he's saying, that if you come to me first, put me first, I'm going to fill you up to the point that you're not only going to be personally satisfied, please hear me today, not only will you be personally, your thirst personally quenched, but out of you will flow something. Now you want to talk about what I believe makes 
the vision and mission uh, so precious and so amazing with this local congregation right here is that God doesn't want us just regurgitating rote things. He wants us flowing in something or someone which is living right now, the presence of God right now, right here. We're not here talking just historically about God today. We're here encountering God today. And from the encounter, something is supposed to flow out of us. You know, church isn't all about what you're getting, although we need to get. That's why first to the Lord, but then there's supposed to be something happening that having been with God, Something is now flowing through and out of my life. Someone, it is the person, Jesus said, this spake he of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Notice, I, I got to just give you these last couple verses because there's something significant here. It says, many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said of, the, of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, shall Christ come up out of Galilee? Hath not the scripture said that Christ comes of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was. Now notice this verse. So there was a division among the people because of him. There was a division among the people because of him. Hmm. Boy, you could build a whole message right there. A division among the people. Not because of the carpet color not because the sound is too loud or the sound is not loud enough or I don't like that. None of that. There was a division among the people because of him. And let me be a little more specific in context because of what he just said. That out of your belly is going to flow something. Out of you. It's not about the temple on the background, the, the stones and the rocks. It's about out of us, the temple having something life-giving flowing out of us. I have to say that because today it's not any different. There is a division today on this issue. You want to talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the person of Jesus Christ and a people empowered by God who are flowing in the things of God. There's a division among the people concerning him. So just go ahead and settle it. If you think everybody's just going to agree with you, just get over it. It's not going to happen. It's biblical... Not that it's desirable, <laughs> but it's biblical. If we're waiting for everybody to, to like what we're doing and who we are, we're going to miss our destiny in God. And I'm just here saying that because as a pastor, you know, you know Paul said this in one place, the Apostle Paul. He said, God delivered me from the people to whom he sent me. It's like I had to get delivered from people before I could ever minister to them truthfully the word of God if I'm always trying to please people I'm never going to tell them the truth I love it got to get delivered from people and their opinions in order to minister the truth and the love of God to them in the time of need first to Jesus then to others you know, there's so many wonderful verses. 2 Corinthians 8, 5, if you're writing verses down. 
Here the Apostle Paul is addressing, uh, addressing the church at Corinth, and he makes mention of the Macedonian churches and the believers there in Macedonia. And he says this, I'm going to, for time's sake, just give you the, the specific verse. It says, and this they did, talking about the collection for the poor saints in Jerusalem, and they took up this, this offering. It says, and this they did, not as we had hoped, or they went way beyond anything we had asked for or expected, but first they gave their own selves to the Lord and then unto us by the will of God. Now, do you see the pattern? It's real simple. Paul says the Macedonian churches did this. They first gave themselves to God. And then they gave themselves to us by the will of God. Simple pattern. Touching the heart of God. Restoring the heart of man. We are, by calling, by vision, we are a people whose priorities are supposed to be in order, and it's what we police, and it's what we keep talking about. First to God, and then to others by the will of God. So really, the question is, God, what are you? You know, Arthur Burt, years ago, he was probably in his 80s at that time, sat in my office, and I asked him a real simple question. Uncle Arthur, he's now 100 and whatever he is, 100 and, 103 years old, Christy says. 103? Yes. No. Yes. Is it 103? Yes. Uh, he's over 100. Yes. And he was traveling two years ago, still around the world. Anyways, this brother sat in my very wise, seasoned man, sat in my office. I said, Uncle Arthur, I said, as a young pastor, if there was anything you could say to me, what would you say to me? Anything you could say to me. Now, that's dangerous when you're talking to Uncle Arthur. <laughs> but he said to me, he said, you relate to God and let God relate you to the people. Such simple words, but they changed my life forever, and they continue to change my life. You don't know how many times, as a pastor, I'm constantly aware of the needs of people, and if I'm not aware, they make me aware. Jesus. Okay? Jesus. Pastor, I need... And it's all good. I mean, it's part of the calling. It's part of why God's put us here, and so on. But... It doesn't take too long to hit the point where you realize I can't personally meet all the needs when people want them met. Somebody say amen. If you don't, I'm going to say it. Amen. <laughs> and so this word, because what happens is you get on this treadmill trying to fix everybody with what? And God's word was simple. You relate to me, first priority, and then I will relate you to the people. I'll let you know when you're supposed to go and when you're not supposed to go. I'll tell you when to move and when not to move. You know, they told Jesus, the one whom you love, Lazarus, is sick. And Jesus said, awesome. Awesome. Waited four days. Pastor Jesus, how can you even call yourself a pastor? You waited four days before you returned that phone call? <laughs> Pastor Jesus, I'm going to another church. I'm going to go where there's a real pastor around. Amen. It's a good message. I don't know where this is coming from, but it's just kind of flowing, you know. Out of your belly will flow sermons that make people just wonder, scratch their head and go, hmm. I don't have time. 
Jesus was demonstrating perfect ministry. I can of my own self do nothing. Jesus said as a man, the model man, as I hear, as I see the Father doing something, then I do it. I'm not obligated to have to race to your need. I'm obligated. If Truth is, if I really want to help you, I've got to have something to help you with. Which means I need something from God for you. Which means I have to wait on God for you. I have to be to God word on your behalf. I have to spend my life at his feet so that when he's speaking, I can know how to respond with something life-giving for you. And by the way, it's not me as a pastor that fits that description alone. All of us have this ministry of reconciliation and this ministry before God waiting to give life to others. First to the Lord. You know, so many scriptures. Hosea 6.1, he says this, the prophet says, Come, let us return to the Lord. Remember, my people have committed two evils. Come on, talk to me. What have they done? They have forsaken me, God said. The fountain. And they've got over here into this other thing where they're controlling who I am. Hosea, come, let us return. The Hebrew word shub, to repent. Let us turn around and head back to the Lord. I'm believing God for a great reviving of our personal devotion and intimacy with God. Because I know that that's our primary pleasure and privilege. I also know it's the only real source of help we have to offer anyone God himself. You know the story. I've shared of it before, but let me just give it to you quick in a passing kind of a way. Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. I won't read it all to you, but it's the story of the 10 lepers. You remember them? And the 10 lepers are uh, lepers. They're wanting to be healed. They hear of Jesus coming their way. They cry out to him. And Jesus simply says to them, go, show yourself to the priest. According to the Levitical law, there was a certain method of determining whether they were legitimately cleansed and could come back into the fellowship of the community. And on their way, sovereignly and miraculously, in obedience to the word of Jesus, they got healed. All of them got healed. One of them, and only one of them, turned around and came back to thank God. And he was not just a leper, he was a Samaritan leper which meant he was not only a leper, he had that one problem, but he was a Samaritan, a Jewish half-breed, a mixture, not a pure-blooded Jew. And therefore, he was really thankful that God would smile on not only a leper, but a leper who was not even in the inner circle. You know, he's just kind of an outsider here. And yet God has touched this guy who's totally unworthy, totally disqualified. And here comes the mercy and the grace of God to heal him. And so all the other nine go on obeying the first word, show yourself to the priest. One of them gets a revelation that the priest is in this direction. Not that direction. The one who just healed me is the priest. And he returns and he gives thanks to God. And Jesus makes these real simple words, profound words. You've heard them before. He says to him, well, were there not 10 of you cleansed? Where are the other nine? He's wanting to know where they are. Well, let me tell you where they are. They're being religious. 
They're living in a form of something without the presence and the power. They have not returned relationally to the one, to the source. And so he says to the guy these profound words, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Now listen, their faith made them what? Their faith got them healed. This guy's faith made him whole. And I'm submitting to you, there's a difference between healed and whole. You know, we can come to God and just get our immediate crisis fixed. God, I got a problem where you just fix my problem. And then, and then once the problem is fixed, we just go on. I'm going to go to church every Sunday. Listen, this isn't about going to church every Sunday. This is about knowing him personally and returning to give thanks to him personally. That's what this is about. And you're not, I don't think we deserve the title of whole until we've returned to the Lord. Come, let us return to the Lord. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. And here this cry is, this one leper, he gets this wonderful pronouncement that you are not just healed, but you are whole because wholeness is about relationship with me. And it's what you were born for. And because you're in this condition, hear me, I can send you on an assignment. I can actually give you something to do. Go your way now that you're whole. Now I can empower you. That's why we say touching the heart of God. Come on, help help me here. Restoring the heart of man. My ministry is the overflow of my relationship with God. My ministry is the overflow of something. Your ministry is the overflow of something. Go your way. Do you know that each one of you and myself, all of us, have a way that we should go? Right? A way. There is a way that seems right to a man. But the end of that way is death. But there's a way that's right to God. And if you find that way, let me tell you what, it is life, life, life. It is actually living water. It's life-giving water. There's a way, a specific path, a specific calling, a function that's been assigned to each of us, but it all is found. How do you know it? Let me tell you where you find it. You find it by returning to Him. And as we return to the Lord in simple devotion, making Him first, we discover this way that belongs to us. The Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians, I've got about 10 more minutes and I'm going to land the plane. So don't go to sleep in these 10 minutes because you'll have to put your seat back in the upright position, put your tray table back up and buckle your seat belt because we will land the plane and I need you attentive for that moment. Our way, go your way, is discovered in our returning to the Lord. The Apostle Paul, when he received his calling, he recites a little bit of it in the book of Galatians chapter 1, beginning in verse 11. Let me just read to you. It says, he says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul, in essence, is saying, you know where I got my preaching from? Not in Bible school, although thank God for Bible school and thank God for teachers and and impartation. But at the end of the day, Paul is saying, where I got my message from came from my relationship and experience with a person. And I'm here to say, let me just put this out to you. 
you know, if we're not careful, we'll amass knowledge without relationship. I love the reason for the, the, the emphasis of the Bible school that's happening here today is about relationship right now. That's what we're studying. And that's so important because without relationship, it's just a bunch of head knowledge. But from relationship, there's real revelation about our calling and our destiny. And so Paul says, what I got, I didn't get it by going to all these different great teachers. I got it by a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I did not confer with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Where, what was Damascus about? Damascus was the place where the heavens opened and he, he saw Jesus, he met him. And Paul is basically saying, I want you to know what I'm preaching, I got it from being with someone with Jesus. That's where I got it. That's how I know it. That's how it's flowing. Right? Any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And he that believes on me, out of his belly will flow something. Living water. First to God, then to others by the will of God. John's Gospel, chapter 4, says this. You know the story, wonderful story. Jesus goes by Samaria his disciples go to buy food. He's sitting on Jacob's well. Jacob's well, a picture of the old covenant and all that God had promised through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jesus is sitting there, wearied with his journey. And there comes this woman, the wonderful story of the woman at the well in Samaria. And uh, they start having a dialogue. And I'm picking up just in verse 10 here for our time's sake here this morning. But it says this, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God... And who it is that is saying to you, give me to drink. Because when she walked up, Jesus says, give me a drink of water. And um, so he goes on, he says this to her. If you knew the gift of God and who it was that was saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. Living water. You know, if you think that this idea of living water is an isolated theme in the Bible... I hope you'll never feel that way again. We saw it in Jeremiah 2 and 13. We saw it in Zechariah 14 and 8. We've seen it here in this portion. We saw it in John chapter 7. And you can find it in other places. Life-giving water. And he says to her, if you knew, if you just knew who you were talking to, you wouldn't be so wrapped up with these other issues. You'd be asking me for something. And I could give you this thing called living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water, Jacob's water, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him, will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So, you want to know what of our, one of our big assignments, if you will, our purposes in being here? Well, I've said it a zillion times already, I know, but it's first to know God personally grow in our relationship with the Lord. 
But it's also that in that relationship, we are fountains. Out of your belly will flow something, a river of life. God himself is in you and wants to not only satisfy your thirst, but have something spring up that's eternal. You say, how often will God spring up in me? Every day and all the time according to his desire and his plan. Now you might sense it, you might not sense it, but the point is we don't have to sit around here and come up with our own ideas. God is in us and God is doing things and he's just looking for people who will learn how to flow with him as a spring of water. And you might not realize it, maybe you do, but um, there are people out there dying of thirst for something. I am, I'm amazed today at the industry of bottled water. <laughs> I mean, ha, ha, do you ever have these thoughts where you go, I can't believe I'm paying for this? <laughs> the, the concept, in my generation, in your generation, do you, how many of you remember before bottled water? But today, without bottled water, where would we be? I mean, it's like we would all just die, wouldn't we? I mean, it's amazing to me. Water is the essential ingredient of life. And I'm here to say that there are more and more people getting thirsty. I walked up, I had an hour's window between uh, an engagement the other night with some, some friends. And uh, I decided I was going to pop into a local businessman's store and just look at some shoes. Just had some time to kill. Figured I'd see if they had any sales going on. And as I step in, the guy, I sneezed. <laughs> Got out of my car, I got to, you know. And this guy was sitting outside tallying some receipts up. And he, uh, he says, I know the guy. I've met him before. And he said, he was talking to somebody else. He said, bless you. And then he said, oh. And he really realized, he said, God bless you. <laughs> and I was like, I said, I appreciate that. So it's amazing how people edit their conversation and make it even more, you know. But anyway, so, so there in that moment, uh, just came up, greeted the guy and whatever, he introduced me to the other guy, he was talking to the other guy, kind of peeled away and we began talking. This guy was so hungry, probably 45 minutes for an hour, almost ate up my entire window of time. I sat there and under the grace of God, answered by God's grace questions this man had been wrestling with for years and years of his life. And I led him to Jesus that day right there last week thirsty thirsty it was so interesting because he said you know I said well I said the bottom line is it's a, it's a choice we had talked all about the beauty of our free will and that God doesn't force this choice it's a it's something he values and he wants us to to freely accept this wonderful relationship invitation and so he was right there and he just kind of said uh you know, that's awesome. I said, well, do you want to do that? And he said, he says, you know, I do. He says, I really do. He says, I, I, I got a soccer game I'm supposed to go to. I, you know, I, he says, I, but he was sincere. And I could just see him in that moment, right, in that balance. And uh, he said, what about, he said, could we, maybe could we hook up tomorrow or the next day? And then we could, and I said, you know, we can do, we can do whatever you'd like. I'm not about to force him. I said, but I believe you'd be missing your moment. So that's what I said. I said, I believe you'd be missing your moment. And he said, okay, then let's do it now. Amen. And he came in because why? Because he's thirsty. And I'm telling you, there are loads of people out there that are thirsty. Don't ever apologize 
for the Holy Spirit and for the presence of God that you're carrying. Don't ever apologize. It is by the Spirit. You know, she makes a contrast between Jacob's well and Jesus, I should say, makes the contrast between those who drink from Jacob's well will thirst again. But those who drink from the water that I give them will never thirst again. Basically, right there, Jesus is saying, if you're caught up in trying to do it on your own, which Jacob had the law and the commandments and the ordinances, and you're the one responsible for digging and making it all happen, and you've got to bucket this stuff up and wind it up and get, get God going in your life and all that stuff. He said, that people, whoever that people is, they're going to get thirsty over and over again. But those who allow me to move on the inside of them and spring up from within them, and it's not about the works and the containers men make and men continue to make and whatever, but it's about a relationship with a living God. That people are never going to go without. They'll always be. You know, I had Brother Dan Duke prophesy over me years ago. This was many, many years ago. And the word was a real simple word. He said this, you will never lack for a word, ever. And I can't tell you how many times I've been sitting there preparing either a sermon or a newspaper article and going, and I remembered that prophecy and I thought, you know what? Amen. Just speak. Open your mouth and I will fill it, the Lord says. Why? Because there's a flow. It's not by rote. It's not by man's contriving and man's doing. It's by the anointing. Thank God. Well, you know the story. I'm almost done. I told you 10 minutes and I'm going to be true to my word here. The woman becomes a mighty evangelist after that encounter. She goes back into her city and she brings out others and the whole city is captured by this wonderful man, Jesus. And it all came out of a place of knowing him. As a local church, we've received something I give it as a given to you. We're not like every other congregation. I'm not saying we're better, worse. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying we've received a vision from God to be a place that life-giving water would flow out of. Water that would answer the real cry of the human heart and the human need. Water that would bring deliverance to a woman at a well. Water that would bring restoration to somebody who had five husbands and whose life was a mess and Jesus wasn't ashamed to talk to her. And ordain her for ministry. Go. She goes and brings a whole bunch of people back. A Samaritan again. We're talking about a place of restoration, a place of healing, a place of deliverance, a place where the Spirit of God is free to move and free to make a difference in people's lives. That's the assignment. First to God than to others by the will of God. And I'm telling you that out of this place, living waters have flowed, but they are going to flow in an ever-increasing measure. As we say to God, Amen. 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 Let my belly be a fountain for you. Let what comes up out of me be you. And let it bless those who hear. Stand on your feet if you would this morning. I want to pray with you. <clears throat> so if anybody ever asks you, what is that living waters place about? <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> Bellies. 
What is that living water's place about? You don't have to quote all these verses and go through all this stuff, but you can say simply that it's a place where people put God first and then from their relationship with God, they love and minister to people the love of God and the word of the Lord. That's, it's a simple thing. It's not a complicated thing. To God first and then to men. And from this place, I'm believing for a great refreshing and a great empowering of people all over the world to happen as we're true to our calling. First to the Lord and then to others by the will of God. Lord, I pray this morning that in a very practical way these words would find their way into each of our lives. Lord, many of us perhaps have been laboring at Jacob's well, cranking up the bucket, trying to find life. But I thank you today, Lord, that we can let go of that bucket and we can open our hearts to you today and we can allow your Holy Spirit to come and fill us afresh. Lord, I thank you that your desire and your promise is that out of our belly, our innermost being, the core, the center of who we are, would flow life. We wouldn't have to work it up. We could just yield to you and allow your spirit to show itself strong through our lives. Lord, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for the privilege of such a vision and such a destiny. Lord, I thank you that, you know, uh, we don't know what each of our unique ways look like, but you said that we're to go our way. And as we do, Lord, people are going to, they're going to encounter you. And I just thank you, Father God, for continuing to pour over us clear vision, clear understanding, and a desire to be everything you want us to be as we give ourselves to you. Lord, anybody that's here in this place today that is, uh, maybe we've drifted and we need to return to you today. Maybe we've put our hope in other things and they've all let us down. But today, I thank you that your, your arms are outstretched toward us willing to receive us home to you. Maybe you're, you're here this morning and you're just saying in your own heart, you know, I feel like I've been looking. I didn't realize it, but I've just been going other places um, looking for help and, and it's just not happened. And, and I realize it's not a, an organization or a, a ministry that I need my help from it, but it's a person. It's Jesus. It's God himself. And maybe today you're just realizing that you've been frustrated because you've been looking in the wrong places and you want to just say in your heart God I want to come back to you personally if that's you today why don't you just let me let me see your hand is anybody here like that today you feel like you've been just kind of off somewhere missing it amen thank you you know God if nothing else had me share this message for you today <laughs> but I believe it's for us all